0: Welcome, disciple makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, the SPARK Conference, a total church-strengthening event that allows you to access keynotes and breakouts all year long. We're also setting up learning communities across Georgia Find a community near you at gabaptist.org slash discipleship. Now let's join today's broadcast. Hey
1: friends, Scott Sullivan here with Georgia Baptist Discipleship. We are innovation brokers and we find great joy in bringing you the top discipleship practices and solutions from across the nation. And I've got two of my good friends with me here today. The illustrious Ken Adams, pastor of Crossroads Church in Noonan. He's also the president of Impact Ministries and, uh, and I'll tell people in regards to Ken, he was the guy who was doing discipleship, championing disciple making before it was even cool. I've also got the Carl Johnson with me. He's uh, soon to be Dr. Carl, finishing up his uh, doctoral degree here in the next few months, year. And he's serving as pastor of leadership development at Peace Baptist and also serves as one of our Uh, discipleship consultants for the Georgia Baptist Convention. Now, make sure that you all listen to the end, and I'll share with you one way that you can win a new 2023 iPad Pro. So make sure you listen to the end. I'll give you that. I also want to remind you for the listeners uh, to leave a comment because we are going to be giving away some free resource today, and you don't want to miss that. And if you share today's link, you'll get double entry into that drawing. Now, Ken, we have a mutual friend in Craig Etheridge. He wrote a book called uh, Bold, was the, was the title of it, and he writes in there that the United States is now number three behind India and China for the most number of people who are not professing to be Christian. So clearly everything we're doing is not working in our lifetime to make disciples to um, solve and complete the Great Commission. We're losing ground. So let's talk about some key shifts that churches need to make. To accomplish this great commission and make disciples, Carl, jump in with us with our first question.
2: So, Ken, uh, just right off the bat, you know, uh, as we try to do discipleship in the local church, one of the things that that we've discovered at Peace is, you know, what do we really measure? And we like the fact that we've got, you know, some healthy small groups. We got a good number of them, and and we measure how many people come, and and I think that's important. Uh, but that doesn't really, you know. Uh, uh, Equate to you're really making disciples. And, and sometimes we get really confused about, you know, what the win is and, and, and even sometimes why we're actually doing it. And one of the things that I've tried to shift our focus to is, are we executing those things that the Bible says we should be doing in terms of being good disciples of Jesus Christ? and I leave the results to God, you know, Mm. am I pointing them toward the scripture? Am I pointing them toward the character of Christ, you know, as your curriculum uh, emphasizes? But what do we actually measure? You know, I I think the water has gotten really muddy uh, Mm. when it comes to that. Uh, What would you have to say about that?
3: Yeah. Well, Carl, first of all, man, what a great question. And honestly. Uh, what, that is the right question we need to be asking, man. And so, uh, so you, you couldn't be more spot on with that. Uh, by the way, uh, love being with you guys. And I just want to say, as a Georgia Baptist pastor myself, man, thank you guys for uh, leading the way and champion uh, us, you know, really getting back to being uh, churches that are disciple making churches. So thank you for doing that. Uh, by the way, Uh, Craig's book, Bold, is a great book. I've read it and uh, highly recommend that. But to answer your question, Carl, um, you know, every church has a win. Every church has a a target they're aiming for. Uh, Some are just trying to have a huge crowd on the weekend. Some are just trying to bring about reform, social reform in the community. Uh, Some are just trying to have really uh, a sweet, sweet fellowship, you know. And uh, there's a lot of different uh, wins But the question that we need to be asking is what was Jesus's win? And so Jesus really came to do two things. First of all, he came to make redemption possible because a movement of multiplying disciples without redemption is irrelevant. And and so Jesus came to make redemption possible. But he also came to start a movement, to start a movement of disciples that would make redemption possible. Possible to as many people as we could, and to have redemption being possible, and not work on a movement is irresponsible. So mm. we need to, we need to make sure that we are measuring uh, actually uh, the results of the movement, and so um, we do want to measure we do want to measure conversion growth, but we also want to measure discipleship growth, which I believe is measured by how many fully trained disciples you develop. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of denominational uh, newsletters uh, have lists of uh, attendance, baptism, and, um, and giving, which all of those are important. And we measure every one of those in our church. I just think we need to have another category where we measure how many disciples have you made that are reproducing and making more disciples, because that that is the wind. Uh, that is the wind that Jesus. In fact, if the disciples that Jesus had made did not go out and reproduce more disciples, we wouldn't be on this call today, and we wouldn't be having this conversation. And it honestly, it it wouldn't even matter. So, uh, the single most important metric is how many disciples. Are making more disciples.
1: That's good. And this is a critical distinction, Ken, because many of our church leaders have this erroneous view of their why and their when. Um, a couple mm-hmm. of things that that I am hearing people say is that I'm trying to grow my church, right? Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the evangelistic, not a, not a disciple-making church, and it's an evangelistic church. And man, I mm-hmm. can give you all the data you need on that because I was in that church for 10 years until mm-hmm. we made these shifts. Another view I heard Uh, We're trying to meet the community needs, right? The social issues church, and we're meeting the needs is huge, but that comes out of who we are as a disciple-making church, or we want to give all people a connection. It's for all people, but that points to that connection is the point of what we do as a church, and it's not. We're not trying to develop a connection church or a fellowship church. We're a disciple-making church, and that's Mm -hmm. the marching orders that um, I hear you talking about so often. Now, Ken, there's another shift in the blog that you wrote, and, and it basically talks with the idea of a shift in the culture. William Vanderbloemen says, "Culture wins every w- um, culture wins with everyone every time." And mm-hmm. what I've experienced is, you either set that culture, or the culture develops around you. And um, our local church culture should support, maintain, and drive the mission. So, give us some practical steps here to help a leader who may be listening, and saying, "You know what? I don't have a great culture, but I don't really know what the first steps are." to build and develop and maintain a healthy culture?
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's that's an important question. And obviously I think, I think the the very first thing is that culture starts with the leader, right? And it starts with the leader uh, being authentic and modeling uh, what he's expecting every other leader in the church to do. And so um, clearly uh, you got a lot of leaders that are, maybe wanting to see their churches be disciple-making churches, but they're not making disciples themselves. And so uh, Mm -hmm. it has to, uh, culture, I believe, uh, has to start with the leader. But then it also, from there, it has to be communicated because, you know, they say that, you know, uh, language shapes culture. I believe that, but language and action shapes culture. So Mm -hmm. just talking about it doesn't change it because people do what people see, right? And uh, and so I think, uh, I, I really do think that if you came to our church and you asked people, uh, you know, uh, what is our church about? It wouldn't take very long that people would tell you that uh, we're churches committed to making disciples that make disciples. And uh, I think, I, I, I actually, I had a conversation with a person recently uh, that, uh, you know, that I, helped, I thought really helped define Uh, what the culture of our church is. And they asked the question, so if, if you as the pastor uh, were no longer there for whatever reason, would the church continue doing what it's doing? Would it continue making disciples or would it go down a whole different path? And, uh, and obviously, you know, I, I don't know this conclusively, but I I can see that there are people that are actually making disciples and making, that are making disciples that I don't even know who they are. And I have had no influence. I've had no personal influence in them uh, being disciple makers and making disciples. So, so for me, that's very encouraging because what it tells me is, is that it uh, uh, the things that we do and the things that we say are beginning to shape the culture here. And so, uh, we're trying to we're trying to emphasize those things and we're trying to encourage those things in hopes that it will produce the culture. Uh, that uh, we believe was the culture of Jesus's life.
1: Yeah, and now, now Ken, that, it's interesting listening to you talk. It just kind of fired something in my brain of what I used to do uh, with my team there in Halton, and, and we had an acrostic that I would always be uploading with them of how to effectively keep this culture going. Here's what we do, but also I was trying to form a a culture, you know, in the church where, and this is lay leaders and paid people, right? It was both. I want to create a culture where people want to stay like they love being there and then want to stay there. Right. Mm. Um, it wouldn't be pulled away from other things. And it, and I use the acrostic fight. I won't upload this whole thing. I've got a whole seminar that I do on, but it was called fight and was form a family, which is friends and family. You Mm. know, we don't just work together, but we do things together outside, identify and eliminate infections. You know, the things that aren't going well, we're not going to hide from that. It's like saying I'm pregnant and they'd ignored it. Well, you can't ignore that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the G was give kudos, never miss an opportunity to praise the people that are around you in public. If you got to say something hard, say it in private, but
2: That's praise right. in
1: public. And then the H was hold high, your core values. Like we always talk about, Hey, if we're going to be a generous church, these things have to happen, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And then the T was take up for your volunteers and your staff. And I could give you a whole story about that, but I'm telling you, like there was a moment in my ministry where I didn't really have that credibility and strength with my people until I stood up in public in front of a lot of people and defended a person or a group of people. And when you do that, boy, it just solidifies your leadership with them and they believe in there. So, um, Carl, I believe you got one more question here about mindset and programmatic shift.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and, and it's really still along those same lines as culture because a lot of churches – The culture is programs, and people will literally come and ask you, you know, what's your discipleship program? And I'm convinced that discipleship is a process, kind of what you were just talking about, Ken. You know that you made disciples when that disciple goes out and make other disciples, and that process is not short. So how do we shift from this this programmatic mindset or, or, or paradigm, make a paradigm shift, to one that's more focused on making disciples, not that programs have no place, uh, but we have to be more people focused. So how do you move from that without destroying programs because they do fit and they do facilitate us making disciples, but somehow it's kind of gotten turned upside down where everything is is is, is all about the program and we could get all about the end goal of mm-hmm. reproduction. Uh, that the, the the commission that Jesus gave us.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I think that's a, that's a, that's such an important question and, you know, I, I don't dare want to make it sound like it's an easy thing to do because uh, that, that that's definitely uh, very much of a challenging thing. But again, I think it goes back to, um, you know, if the leader is uh, is driving the process and uh, he's, it's interesting, Carl. A lot of times is that you, if you've been through the process, you become the product, and you you have no problem people buying into the process if they have been a, a product of the process. Does that makes sense.
2: Yes, yes, I follow you. I follow so, you. Not so much a program.
3: Yeah. So it's interesting that that Jesus. My take is Jesus never had a program. Uh, Jesus had a process from the minute he started public ministry after his baptism, from the minute he started his public ministry, he was moving people through a process. Mm, They started started out as unschooled, ordinary men, and they became world-changing leaders. And they didn't get there because they completed a program of 12 weeks. They got there because they walked through a process of, of transformation and of development. So they literally uh, went through a process that made them uh, totally different men. They had they had different character and they had different conduct, which is what qualified them to go out and reproduce the process. This is a mindset that is uh, it is not easy to change. I'm not dare going to say that, but it is so important that we get back to the idea. That discipleship is not an add-on to everything else that we do. It is what we do. Disciple making is the mission of the church. It's not a part of the mission of the church.
1: That's This discussion, oh my gosh, my head's about to explode. This discussion on the shift of the programmatic church, because I'm just telling you, I was part of the author of the programmatic church. I've been there. And there ain't Mm. nobody who does programming better than I do. I'm just telling Mm. you it is and and the shift that we had to make is so difficult. Let me offer two thoughts here. And then I want to go one layer deeper with you, Ken and Carl, I invite your response in this as well. So one thought is fight for the relationship, not to assert your authority. Mm. So here's what I mean by that. When you are making these shifts to to get away, because the programs have a place, I mean, they developed because there was a need. So the programs can help you accomplish the mission, right? But it's got to stay in focus. But when you're making these shifts, you can make a lot of people mad and you can lose your job. Well, Mm. here's what I learned. Fight for that relationship, not just assert your authority, because sometimes we're battling and we want our way. And here's what I learned. If we went our way and lose the relationships, we still lose. Mm. Like there's got to be a process where we keep the relationship, but Mm. we also move people forward. Here's the second thing, a balanced approach. Where we look at this in the Jesus style disciple making that Jesus had the large group. And he, he spoke in that and he led through the large group, but he also had the small group and he even had this smaller, more intimate group. But the most, to me, my opinion, the most intimate thing, and to me, the most important thing Jesus did was his one-on-one time with God, the father. If everything else falls apart and we can't meet in groups and we can't meet in public, nothing can take away your one-on-one time with Jesus. Right? So, but here's my question. I want to go one layer deeper with you, you guys. Another part of this when you're developing the culture and you're and you're moving away from programmatic into a disciple making church, is regular leadership training, training your people, keeping that going. So like what are you guys doing? like what is that rhythm? Three times a year you have training? Do you do once a month with training? Like how are you continuing to train people? Because you can't unload you can't upload this one time in a new member class and expect your people going to live it out the rest of your life. It just doesn't work. So talk to me about leadership training.
2: That's good, uh, Scott. And, and, and so uh, one of the things that we're trying to, to get into our culture now is twice a year, we try to find the time that doesn't compete with anything else to do leadership development because it's everybody's job. Even if you are the media director, this person needs to recognize that his primary goal is to make disciples. And and once you develop that leader into that mindset that, you know, he's doing everything to the glory of God and and he understands that he's a disciple of Jesus Christ, he's not just showing people how to run those cameras or use that soundboard, but how to be a good disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's going to require leadership development training when that person is going to have time because those guys are really busy with the technical stuff that they have to do. And so I know I'm getting into the weeds here. But I'm really trying to figure out how to get every leader to recognize that our business is making disciples, not to be have that tunnel vision into what you do in particular, but look at the broad picture of making disciples who make disciples. And trust me, I have not figured this out yet, but at least I know that I've got something to figure out (laughs) And, and we haven't nailed it yet.
1: Good word. Ken? Yeah.
3: Well, Scott, I'm hung up on something you said a minute ago. You said, uh, uh, you know, you're talking about how, um, you know, people go through this process and how you get to this process concept. And, you know, I just was thinking about the fact that when Jesus told his disciples to go make disciples, uh, nobody ever said to him, that won't work. And the reason they never said that won't work is because it had worked with them. And so, Mm. so honestly, he didn't have to get them to buy in. They were, they were already bought in because this is how their lives had been changed. Mm. And it's interesting that in John chapter 20, verse 21, he says, "Uh, peace be with you as the father has sent me. So I'm sending you. And so it was, it was uh, honestly, it was the natural thing for them to do to go back out and reproduce the process that uh, that they had had happen with them, and so kind of goes back to what we said a minute ago. That if we want to become a a process a process driven church, uh, what we have to do is just you know find a few people, work the process, and then in turn, if if the process has worked, they will work the process. You don't, you don't, have to, you don't have to sell it and you don't have to fight over it. You don't have to have a business, you know, quite honestly, you don't have to vote on it. It just happens. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so That's a good I, I, I had to unpack that. <laughs> and so you might have to remind me what the other question was. Yeah.
1: Well, the, the other question really was just about leadership training. Cause uh, I right. just see this, there's a deep cavity of leadership training right oh. now. Like we're just not doing it enough.
3: Yeah, and I got to speak to that, Scott, because uh, we went down this we went down this trail for a long time, and uh, and and we've come to the conclusion. Uh, make this simple: uh, we have an every month uh, what we call leadership community. Mm. We do it we do it the first Monday night of every month. Uh, we invite all of the leaders, not not everybody that's serving, but we invite all the leaders uh, into a uh, a session together. Uh, we actually. Uh, provide dinner for them so that they have no excuses and they can get there because they're usually coming in after work. And it's, you know, another night of the month, we're asking them to come out. So we're trying to bless them with that. And then what we do is every other month, we do it as a large group. And I do uh, vision casting and strategy with them. And then the opposite months, they actually meet with their leadership uh, I mean, with their ministry team. So small group leaders go together. Children's ministry go together. Student ministry go together. Uh, hospitality goes together. So we we have a, uh, it, it is, I, I say this to them every month. This is the most important thing we do. Because if you're not keeping the healthy, healthy, you're in trouble. Yes. And so funny thing about this, Scott, is that years ago, uh, years ago, Baptists had a great idea. It was called a weekly Sunday school teachers meeting. And what they were doing is that they were pouring into and equipping and helping supporting Sunday school teachers. Uh, it was a weekly workers meeting or something of that effect. And we got, we, a lot of churches have gotten away from that. And yet it was, it was a great thing that we did. Uh, it just needed to be, it just needed to be retooled. It just needed to be refreshed. And so, uh, what we do at our our leaders, monthly leadership community is that we feed them. We start with worship, and then we we give them something that is meaningful and something that will help them in ministry or help them individually. And it has to be good, or they won't come back the next month. And so, uh, so we 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 pour into them uh, in a in a very significant way. I think I think it's one of the most important things that a a pastor or church leader. Uh, can do for their
1: congregation. And guys, for some of the people who are listening right now, the last five minutes of discussion is the gold nugget that you're going to take away from this. It's going to change your ministry. If you're not having leadership gatherings and meetings, and I don't mean just having, I'm talking about if I were going to invite you to the top training event in the nation and ask you to be the keynote, you would put a ton of energy and preparation in that. That's the kind right. of energy and preparation we got to put into every leadership meeting. So it is valuable when they show up. All right. All right. One more question. Let's land the plane. Um, there's a mindset shift that you mentioned in your blog and it's talking about perspective. And really what we're talking about is moving people from the idea of going from a consumer to a co-laborer. Now help us identify this consumer mindset and how do we move people to become co-laborers? Ken? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: so I think it's really pretty pretty simple. It the difference is between uh, asking the question, uh, "What can I give?" versus "What can I get?" Mm-hmm. And so, if you and 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 let's be honest, you know uh, the church does exist to uh, meet needs in your life to help you with things in your life. But there has to be a point where you realize it is it is intended to go both ways. So I'm I do need certain things from a church but if it, if it begets, if it gets out of balance and it becomes all about what I'm getting rather than about me giving anything, then quite honestly, I mean, Scott, that's where you sit and you soak and you sour at some point. And, but I will tell you, if you are, if you are giving out, that changes how you look at what you're taking in. And so when, when you got, when you've got a church member or a leader. That has the balance between giving and getting, that's healthy. Well, yes. let's think about it like this: it's like the difference between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, right? And right. so, you know what's happening at the Sea at the Sea of Galilee? You got water coming in and water going out. You know what's different about the Dead Sea? You got water coming in, you got nothing coming out. That's right. It, it is. It is the a perfect example. And I didn't even think about this when I wrote the block, but uh, a perfect example: the Dead Sea is a a example of being a contributor uh, i'm sorry being a consumer mm-hmm. but not being a contributor it just it just keeps taking but it never gives
1: uh, looks like your blog just became a 2.0 i love it <laughs> hey well let's close our time here friends and um let me just leave you you all with a thought um three things that as we look to make these shifts with our local church leaders first For you to win, everyone around you does not have to lose. That's a hard lesson that I learned early on in my ministry. We want to be careful that we're not building our platform, but we're building kingdom disciple makers. And Mm -hmm. helping other people win really is the ultimate win. Here's a second: Mm -hmm. seek to build on ramps and not cul-de-sacs. Help -hmm. people find that path to grow spiritually, and then launch. We're not just trying to get them into the church and connect them. Connection is not the point of discipleship. likeness is the point of discipleship. And here's a third one, and this may be hard for some to hear and maybe even hard for me to say it, but we need to avoid the exception to the rule mindset. Many times our leaders stay in a role so long that they feel like they're not held to the same standard that others are, or they've earned the right to get their way. An example, have you noticed that um, many of our leaders, many of us, the more important we think we are, the closer to the front door of the church or the office we park, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just saying, as servant leaders, it's got to be a different perspective. And what I see in Carl Johnson, what I see in Ken Adams are servant leaders who have intentional processes, and they're helping make these shifts. And we exist as Georgia Baptist Discipleship to help you make those shifts, do these trainings so you can become a healthy disciple-making church. Ken Adams, Carl Johnson, thanks so much for jumping on with us today.
3: Absolutely, man. That was uh, that was so well said,
1: and uh, I agree with you 100%. Cool. Love you, Carl.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I appreciate I, you being on the team, buddy.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: And finally, I mentioned earlier that we were going to share with you one way you can win an iPad Pro. So here's how you can do it. Register for an in-person Spark Conference. It's going to be in Georgia 2023 in August or September. You've got six options all over the state, the top, the middle and in the bottom. Register for one of those and you will automatically be in for a drawing for an iPad Pro And uh, you can go to www.thesparkconference.com. That's thesparkconference.com. Register. You'll get dropped into the drawing for that. Landa Melton, John Graham, thanks for producing. And I want to remind all of our listeners that we're only able to do this broadcast because you give to the cooperative program. So thank you for doing that. And I pray that today's discussion with Ken and Carl will equip you to think deeply, invest purposefully, and
0: dream big as we make world impacting disciples. Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple makers.